Best of Times live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana, celebrating age and maturity, helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The Best of Times, your host, Gary Kaligas. Hello, radio listeners. I'm Gary Kaligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only magazine and radio show for mature adults in northwest Louisiana. Thank you for tuning into our show today. Also, thank those who might be listening live via the internet at www.710keel.com. Also thanking those who might be listening live via the Radio Pub application or the Keel application on their Apple and Android devices. In just a few minutes, we're going to discuss how the pandemic has impacted senior living and senior health concerns. So stay tuned to this show for some very beneficial information for you and your loved ones. Today is Saturday, October the 24th, and our radio show is being broadcast from the studios of News Radio 710 Keel and 101.7 FM, a town square media station here in Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's show is not live, so it is being pre-recorded, so we will be unable to accept calling questions and comments from our loyal radio listeners. Be sure to pick up the October issue of the Best of Times at one of our 270 distribution locations. We thank you for the many compliments about our magazine. We do appreciate hearing from you. If you're unable to find a copy, please remember to visit our website at www.bebestoftimesnews.com to view both current and past issues of our magazine, as well as to view and download the current copy of the 2002 Silver Pages Senior Resource Directory. In addition, you can listen to previously broadcast radio shows here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. We'll be right back with more information, but now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana and A-Bears, Tanning Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana and A-Bears, Town and Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Kaligas. I do thank you for listening to our show today. Joining me on my show as a special guest is Dr. Carrie Burnwright, who is an internationally known gerontologist, and she's going to be discussing how the pandemic has impacted senior living and senior health concerns. So thank you, Dr. Burnwright, or doc, Dr. Carrie, as, as everybody's been calling you on my radio show yes. today. Well, thanks for having me. I'm a fan of your show. Well, appreciate. I do appreciate that. So tell us a little bit of background about yourself. Well, I have the privilege of the greatest job in the world, in my opinion. (laughs) I'm a gerontologist, so I got my Ph.D. in the study of aging. That's the biological, medical, physical, psychological, economic aspects of growing older. And so for 20 years, I served as a university professor in geriatric medicine, teaching primarily medical students. Um, and then I started to see this common and um, unimaginable problem of elder financial exploitation. Oh, yes. And so I did a lot of research in that area and created the nation's first elder abuse forensic center. 
And then I found that one of the great risk factors was isolation. So I have been the last 10 years really looking at ways for older adults to connect. That's very important. That is very important. Wow, those other two topics. I'm th- I'm th- so where were you in academia? What what university? Yeah, University of California, Irvine. Okay. So that's in Southern California. And I just was so lucky to work with really such outstanding um, other colleagues. And then we did a lot of hands-on work with older adults. So oh, I never thought I would leave academics because I loved it. <laughs> um, but then I started a nonprofit, and there was a you know a time and a place for that, and that nonprofit still continues. Um, and then now I am really I feel like making a difference with um, through a private sector. So I'm, I've been and I've been in government. So basically, all kinds Uh-oh. of jobs. <laughs> So what were you in government, may I ask? Because I was also a government Medicare um, administrator for the for the federal government for the state of Louisiana for many years. So what, what were oh, you involved? Oh, that's so important. So I worked for the House of Representatives oh. in Washington, D.C., and they had a commission on legal problems of the elderly. And uh, I was there just while I was doing my studies. And um, it was such a good eye-opener about how how government works at the federal level. Oh, yes. I got a, lo- got a lot of that interesting, but I had to go before the Hill occasionally and make presentations. So it was, yeah. it was, it was definitely <laughs> interesting dealing with those congressmen, senators, and, and um, administrative officials. So, uh, <laughs> and now, the, and plus, I was young back then. They were saying, how are you representing all these, uh, talking about seniors and boomers, but you're not even one yet? I said, you know, yes. I'll, I'll be there eventually. And I know who they are. My parents and relatives are. Okay. Well, let's, exactly. get, let's get to the subject at hand. Okay. We, we know that the pandemic has been around for a while, and uh, I, I'm sure you've seen it in, in your travels and your dealing with people. I have, and through my limited travels in this area, I used to travel quite a bit throughout the United States, but, you know, since March, we haven't traveled a lot. Uh, but the, the pandemic has impacted seniors throughout the United States and probably throughout the world. Is that right? Absolutely. And their their living conditions. I mean, it's it's extremely sad. I mean, that uh, that they're now the nursing homes, assisted livings, uh, independent living facilities, apartments, et cetera, et cetera. It's 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 really changed them, right? And absolutely, I think the image of older adults peering through a window at their loved ones um, is just seared in our collective memory, and um, it is it has been devastating. What, what have you seen as, has there been any positive aspects? I mean, I had one lady told me that she's, she never knew that she would like the computer as much as she have during, during these times of being isolated. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if that's positive or negative, but, it, but she says, you know, my grandson's taught me how to use it and I never used it that much, but since March I've been using it quite a bit. Uh, yes, we have seen, you know, our first choice as humans, is in-person connection. I think it adds so much to you know, to be able to hold a hand or, right. you know, give a hug. And so that has always been what I've been advocating for. And so now in a time when, you know, physical connection and proximity and 
aerosols in the air can be so harmful. <laughs> it, it's th this pull between safety, of course, but then also between human connection, which as absolutely, you know, there's a statistic that shows us, it was research out of BYU, and it said that someone who is chronically lonely has the same health hazard as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Wow. And so I feel like, you know, between a rock and a hard place sometime um, with older adults and, in fact, of people of all ages, you know, loneliness is not just a senior problem. It is something that impacts all of us and that is harmful to the health of all of us. So, so going back to the senior living conditions and, and the caregiver, there might be the spouse that's taking care of the other spouse, et cetera. What have you seen? Um, how has this pandemic have, have, has caused some different changes in that area? So if we kind of break it out between people who are living at home, so older adults who are living in their own homes, and that is the majority of older adults, um, and maybe with a spouse or a caregiver or a family member or, or many by themselves. That's sort of one discussion. And then the other discussion, as you said, is older adults living in skilled nursing facilities, assisted living facilities, um, hospitals. And so the experience has been hard on both but different for both. So if you wanted to look first at people who are living in facilities, um, that is, you know, the, quote, lockdown where they have, you know, people who are inside unable to come out and family members unable to come in. And that's where you – that's where we've seen um, a lot of heartache, particularly those with cognitive impairment because they don't understand why in the world nobody's – you know, their loved ones are not coming in to see them or why they're – being so silly to be on the side of the window but not come inside. Um, and technology has played a significant role in assisting, I won't say ameliorating, but assisting <laughs> in connecting humans. And what we've learned is that there are thousands of points of frustration with standard devices. And Wi-Fi is a problem. The small buttons on the devices are a problem. I never thought of that the one. Yeah. Passwords are a problem. The plugs, you know, the little tiny plugs. I have patients with Parkinson's disease, and it's just futile with um, tremors to try to plug in that little tiny charger. So I have been lucky enough to be working, my, combining my interest in aging with technology. Um, to create a solution that would eliminate these thousands of frustrations. And we call them points of frustrations, POF, <laughs> so poofs. <laughs> and I'm going to give you a poof that people don't think about often, but maybe of interest to your listeners. If you feel your index finger and your thumb and you rub them together, you can feel that as we get older, I'm in my 50s, so in my opinion, very young. There's moisture. But as we get, particularly in our 80s, 90s, and 100s, we lose moisture in our fingers. Well, it is that moisture that makes your monitor on a traditional iPad or on a smartphone work. So that's why my 
you know, a grandson might say, you know, Grandma, press here. And I'm pressing, 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 but nothing's happening. And I blame myself. Like, why am I doing it wrong? You're not doing it wrong. The technology was designed poorly. And so this solution that we've come up with and we thought about, is it best to do computers? Is it best to do phones? Is it best to do tablets? And what we learned from listening to older adults is that a tablet has the added feature of being able to be easily transported in your jacket pocket or purse. And um, so we call it grand pad. And what happens is we made the screen, we engineered it so that it's incredibly sensitive to even the most dry, leathery fingers, and we're lucky enough to work with somebody who's age 114 named Anna, who has now passed away, but she, her dry fingers worked just great with, with our GrandPad solution. Well, I did not know about that poof. That, I, think, I know. I, I think There's millions so of people poofs. do not know that, do not know Yes, that. yes, and also I have... I am blessed to have a beautiful 91-year-old mother who I get to be with, in fact, today. And um, she, like my future self, has arthritis such that her fingers are primarily at right angles. And so getting in with a tiny phone to press a tiny button, it just doesn't make sense. So we have engineered out, there's no need to have little tiny things. the ultimate sophistication is simplicity. And clearly that is not my, I didn't come up with that. It was Leonardo da Vinci who taught (laughs) us that. So it's not because older adults are less than or um, not smart. It's because older adults don't want to have to hassle with silly, poor design and frustration. It is designed for the masses and not for the others that that, that have the that I wouldn't call it disabilities, but the the the, the situations where they can't adapt. And, That's you know. exactly right. So age-related changes. So if we live long enough, and we're lucky to live long enough, half of us will have vision impairment. True. Half of us will have hearing impairment, and when we get into our 90s and beyond, half of us will have some cognitive impairment. And it doesn't make us less than, it makes us, it makes it even more important that we can get full function, that we can listen to music, we can email our friends, we can watch shows and do video calls with a simple tap. So it's, I hate to say anything good has come from the pandemic because it has, we have lost so many senior lives, but it has highlighted what was always there, which is a need to respect older adults well enough to design products that meet our needs. Wow. So so what other poofs can you give us? That was one good one that I think our listeners are going to find that. Uh, the, I didn't know, know that. And I've had some situations where I feel my my hands were pretty dry, and maybe that's why I couldn't get my buttons on my my. my my iPad or my iPhone not working well. Yes, yes. Okay, so should I spit? Should I should I dip my finger in a little water solution or, or spit on them and it works better? You okay. can. I sometimes I in the olden days I used to touch oh, my finger to my tongue 
But oh. now that's the with my mask on, that is no longer an option. So sometimes I'll touch something that's wet. Um, and and that, another hint would be in the supermarket with my mask on. It was it's so hard to get those bags open. Mm-hmm. So I have learned to go over to the produce, and I don't touch the produce, but I touch right next to it, <laughs> and it's moist there, mm-hmm. and I can touch that and then open my bag with ease. <laughs> oh, good, good, another good poop. <laughs> I, I like the these gerontologists that give us, that give us these little pointers that we, we never, we never think about. Uh, I mean, I dealt with <laughs> um, a lady who was a gerontologist in there, and she always had little, but she never told me that poof about my fingers. I'm, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. uh, I'm better. So we, we talked about a little bit about senior living, uh, and the caregiving landscape. I want to go back to the caregiving landscape. What What is your feelings and, and concerns have you seen uh, in, in your dabbles uh, in California, wherever, about caregivers, let's say private caregivers, going into people's homes and you know, hiring? Um, I was a home health care administrator. We had you know staff going out on private as well as Medicare services, et cetera. I've been seeing that more and more people, luckily it's getting back to normal, but initially it was totally rejected. And, of course, I'm sure the federal and state guidelines didn't allow it. But that was a lot of people dependent on those those services. And I, I, don't you didn't you feel that as well? And they were, like, suffering. Yes. So, yes, it was um, people in need of care and people who didn't have families who right. lived nearby and so they really depended on you know professional paid caregivers or caregivers through paid through other um, benefits to come into the home to provide that care and so um, in some there were some scenarios in which people had caregivers come anyway and then contracted the virus Right. which is a heartbreak. But then there were people who then didn't have a caregiver and had some very catastrophic falls and malnutrition and suffering as a result of not having a caregiver. True. So, um, it's, yeah, it's it was a very other. challenging time. And I am the biggest um, fan of caregivers, both um, family caregivers, unpaid caregivers, and paid caregivers. And the, you know, it is it's so incumbent upon our nation to recognize the incredible need for and value of these caregivers. And so every time I can, I <clears throat> bow down to the people who provide care for some of our most vulnerable adults. I do, I do as well. But but also think about all the therapy services that are performed in the homes and not in maybe maybe in an outpatient scenario but most of the physical therapy the occupational therapy the speech therapy uh that's done in the home that might have been curtailed and might might cause a worse outcome for that individual i mean it, there's i'm sure there's many probably unreported that it's it, it stopped their rehab after their hip when they got home Absolutely. That's a really good point. And um, some of the patients that I've been involved with have had some relief as a result of maintaining their needed um, services and um, rehabilitation, physical therapy uh, through the use of technology. So um, 
my company, GrandPad, works with a number of organizations, and one of them is Home Instead of Senior Care, and they provide paid caregivers and also the GrandPad tablets so that older adults can be reaching via video call to do some of the services. Um, and we're finding that in area agencies on aging, we're working very closely with the um, programs for the all-inclusive care of the elderly, the PACE programs, which um, I'm sure you're familiar with. Yes. PACE programs are designed for older adults who would qualify for nursing home care, but who are instead in the PACE program staying at home and receiving services in order to stay at home. Um, so it hasn't alleviated all our problems, but it has happily had some solution through technology, through telehealth, um, and it makes me so happy because for a long time, technology had just been a way to exploit older adults. <laughs> and so, you know, that elder financial exploitation yes. is a $37 billion a year industry. Wow. And the reason for it is because our existing networks have been open. So people just have a standard computer or a standard phone or tablet that's just open to anyone. And so we know what happens in that kind of environment, which is these perpetrators call, call and say, this is a nonprofit needing your help or this is your grandson needing your help and are scamming people out of the money that they need for care. That's and true. so that's another point that we all need to be thinking about in terms of the solution that we use to bridge the digital divide, that the networks should be closed networks. So you have everybody that you want to talk to and nobody that you don't. And that's something we did with GrandPad, which is we have um, what we call a circle of trust. So you can have all your family and your doctors and your caregivers and your therapists and your friends, um, but that a call from an unidentified number won't make it through to you, um, although there is a keypad so you can, you can dial out if you want to. So it's maximizing autonomy while keeping a safe environment. So, you know, that's, that's a good point about um, I can tell you many, many times that we, we help on our show remind people about scams and exploitations and things that are happening not just in our area but throughout the country because occasionally they may get calls from Nova Scotia or whatever it shows yes. up. Uh, but but you're right. Uh, my mother, God rest her soul, that uh, she loved to talk to people. And, you know, my father passed away many, many, many years ago. And so... Anybody called, she would talk to it. Any, and sometimes they yes. would they would say, you know, I'm representing this organization, this church, this national church, this national group, and she would she would say, oh yes, I'm going to contribute, <laughs> and she because did. Because she's a good woman, yes. and people who you know, so many of us want to help and do good in the world. Well, yeah. We are inclined to to give the money, and then afterwards, people. Older adults will say, oh, I feel ashamed. And so I always say, please feel ashamed. The shame is on the perpetrator, the a person who would knowingly con you out of money. The shame is never on the senior. 
Well, um, I, I I never monitored my mother as much as probably I should have. But when I found out some things, I said, Mom, you need to call me anytime you decide to do those kind of things. She said, well, I didn't want to bother you. <laughs> and I said, yeah. I said, I'm your only son. I'm only, you're your only sibling here to take care of you. So, uh, uh, it's please. no bother. Yeah, it's no right. bother. It's so true. Uh, I worked with a man who, um, he was a Green Beret. He attended Stanford University. He was very, very cognitively sharp up in his late 80s. And he was scammed out of almost $600,000. And he then lost his home. And I, at that moment, I thought, you know, if it can happen to him, it can happen to any of us. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I've had those particular calls and emails, and you've got to tell individuals. We, we've had people on our show, experts, especially from the, the federal government as well as state and local governments, warn people and, and just try to get a second opinion. Don't make that quick decision. They're not going to have to need it immediately, if not sooner. And if it's too good yeah. to be true and... And, uh, I mean, be careful about, as you said, be careful about dialing in, uh, accepting calls and spending time. And they, 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 they will, they, they're, they're very professional. Where they may be in a, a tent out in some country, but uh, they, they sound very professional and, know you're, and sometimes know a lot about you. I mean, I'm in Absolutely, absolutely. I, they I, can pretend that you, they are actually your grandchildren. Oh, and yeah. somehow they sound, sound just like your grandson. It's amazing how sophisticated they are. Yeah, we we need to talk about that in a whole another segment another time. But uh, <laughs> but I, I'm glad you brought that up because again, I, I think that it occurred probably more during the pandemic because a lot of people were at home, a lot of people uh, respond to calls and emails and were at their computers getting emails from probably gazillion people via scammers or whatever. So yes, that yeah. probably was a, a negative impact. I mean, I I. Uh, I have a pretty large network of people that love my show and my magazine, so mm-hmm. I get calls and emails from people all the time asking me, should I do this? And I said, please check with your lawyer, your son or daughter, or et cetera. I would not quickly take that. I mean, I'm surprised they called me without calling their lawyer or their son, but a lot of them would call yes, me. And yes. did, you, did you get this call? And I said, no, ma'am. So they would would talk and tell me all the story about it. And she said, here's the number. You want to call them? No, ma'am, I don't feel like calling them. But I (laughs) I'll be on their list as soon as I call them, right? Or if you email them back, you're definitely on their system list. Uh, He likes likes receiving those kind of calls and letters. uh, Absolutely. So we ought to be prudent. And and what at at all ages? I mean, I hate to say that's called some easy money out there and easy loss of money that people really – Really should you know? Wait. I'm, I'm not knocking the, the the responsible charities and organizations and churches and synagogues out there who who definitely uh, need the money for their projects and their their worthwhile uh, activities. But uh, you know there are some out there that are, are trying to use the good Lord and uh, our our needs uh, and, and play with that, saying you know. Um, you, my organization is going to help all the dogs in, uh, you know, in California. Would you contribute, you know, fifty dollars a month for the next ten months, right? 
they're, they're good at that. They're really. I, I got a call about similar about that. You know, we're we're the local uh, we're the local area in Louisiana that that protects dogs and cats. And would you mind contributing to that? And I said, what organization are you? Oh, we're we're just a nonprofit organization. And the person just went on and on. Would never give me the name of the organization. And I said, you know, mm. I, you know, I think that I would prefer to to, to do the local, you know, uh, American. Uh, whatever, ASBCA, uh, yes. rather than, I would rather donate to them. I'm sure they give some money to each state and each territory. Oh, no, but, but ours goes directly with no administrative costs, et cetera. See, this guy went on and on. But again, my wife says you shouldn't be talking to those people, but I just want to sometimes pull out their information and try to see what, what they what they're scamming people out in the area. So he finally... I know, they, I know. And, and one of the greatest risk factors is isolation, right? So yeah. that somebody, oh, yeah. you know is just preying on you because you like talking and and that's a good thing i mean it's like your dear mother that she enjoyed talking to people um so that was one of the solutions too with grandpad that that we needed to really redo and start from scratch with the hardware and with the software but also with the service so it was critical to us and we have found such a difference in that when you can press a single button and get to a human who can help you or talk to you, like we, this whole thing of press one for this, press two for that, <laughs> it's just we don't have the um, life is too short to be on those silly phone trees. And so what we found is that we, primarily in the Midwest is where we have our um, what we call member experience agents so on the GrandPad tablet, they can just press a button and get a human saying, Oh, Mrs. Jones, thanks for calling. And we always answer within three seconds to a human. And what a difference that's made. It, it would make a definitely, definitely make a difference in that particular area. What, what about telemedicine? Definitely I've seen, my, from my personal self, an increase of telemedicine, uh, talking to my doctors and their nursing staff, et cetera, via telemedicine. So, um, I mean, that that is go- growing exponentially. And I can remember in, in the past it was like uh, dabbling. Everybody was dabbling into that yeah. and trying to go into that. And we're doing, you know, trying to dabble and getting getting vital signs from the home. And, and now they can collect everything. I'm, I'm sure the people at home instead and others, uh, other home health and private duties, you know, can collect uh, all the information about person's blood pressure, their temperature, their oxygen levels, et cetera, just and and transmit it to uh, to the doctor or to the to the nurse that's that's monitoring that particular patient person at home, right? Absolutely. So it was always we were always on a path to being able to use telemedicine to connect, but my goodness, it went off like a rocket, and um, so I think that. Moving forward, it isn't an either-or. So, you know, before the pandemic, most things were in person. And then that was before the pandemic started. Then during the pandemic, we were all doing a lot of things with telehealth. And moving forward, it's more likely to be a hybrid approach so that you still see your physician in person because there's so much to be um, ascertained from in-person medical evaluation, but in addition to that in-person component, that we could have more check-ins with telehealth in a way that's convenient and respectful and easy for both parties, 
for, you know, for the physician to, you know, make sure that they're keeping good monitoring with their patients and for the patients to make sure that you can, you know, press a button and get right to your doctor when you need to without such a weight or such a big effort. I, having worked in geriatric medicine for a long time, I know what a big endeavor to get up for those in their late 90s and 100s to get up and dressed and in a car and park and out of the car and walk into the clinic. I mean, that's it's exhausting. Well, you know, and I can see it involve, I'm sure it already has evolved in such a way that it can monitor if, if serious conditions are happening. I'm doing people now using your system and I'm sure their their iWatches now can transmit various yeah. uh, technology. I mean, the latest Apple Watch, I don't have the latest latest one, you know, does AFib. So it, yeah. uh, it, can, it can tell a, an individual doctor, you can transmit the results to uh, and see if there's any particular current problems. You know, the, the person may be having heart issues, but this would definitely remind and would keep it on a track if you wear it all the time of any possible changes, which, you know, we didn't have that kind of technology. I know of a, a lot of individuals that have just got it for their parents and grandparents so they could, those particular devices to, to help them and uh, to be, you know, quickly uh, responded to for medical needs that, that come up. So, you know, technology is, is going to be good. And I, I'm, I'm not... I'm not a negative advocate. I've initially thought people people were worried that there's going to be Big Brother watching us all the time. And yeah. but I, you know, do you do you feel that still around that they're worried that they don't want to they don't want to be involved in telemedicine? Do you see more more seniors and boomers do, saying that to you? I I don't see as many people saying that, but I do think it is good to think about confidentiality and privacy, and that you know that we really are honoring um, in the same way that we do in a clinic that we do that. Um, and so that's been really important to us to think every step along the way that people's personal information is kept personal and that information isn't just shared. Um, and I think what you said about it's almost a paradigm change. So in the past it had been kind of no news is good news. Like <laughs> if your mother lives somewhere else and, you know, I think I think things are okay. But it's actually my hope is to be more proactive so that in some ways no news is bad news because we should be connected and we should be able to go, gosh, you know, I see that she usually takes this many steps each day and her steps are down. I wonder if she's feeling okay. And for example, with weight scales, you know, before a big um, a heart episode, sometimes there's a fluctuation in your weight, and so this way we could see, oh gosh, look at this big weight jump. There may be retaining water. Let's be proactive. Sure. So we don't wait till somebody has fallen. By then, you know, a, a hip has been broken and suffering has occurred. But that instead we would try to think about aging and strength and longevity from a proactive um, from a proactive vantage point. So in continuing that thought we had in our previous segment about um, being proactive, don't you in your in your dealing as a gerontologist for many years uh, that seniors and boomers are sometimes procrastinators about getting needed health care? Yes, I do. I think that 
There is this multi-billion dollar anti-aging industry telling us it is bad and unattractive and awful to get older. And because of that, there's so much fear surrounding aging. And so I think a lot of us are then just putting our head in the sand and, you know, not being proactive and not thinking about the fact that, yes, if you're lucky, you're going to get old, very old. (laughs) And that can be a great thing. And I think, you know, if we could recognize and celebrate the fact that we have been the other ages. We've been 20, we've been 30, we've been 40 and 50 and 60, and then start to think, wow, how can I maintain function and health all the way? So I have a friend now who actually works for Grandpad, and he is 106 years old. His name is Elmer, and he lives with his son, and his son is in his 80s as well. And this Elmer is such a role model of how aging can look, like what longevity can look like. And it has to do with eyes wide open saying there's going to be changes, and I'm going to address those changes as they come to get ahead of things. And so when I'm not hearing too well, let me get into a a hearing specialist in order to get this adjusted instead of waiting until I can't hear a thing and then that can impact our cognitive abilities when we haven't heard well for a long time. Or if, you know, you notice changes with your um, stool, then get, get get out there and take control of it. There's nobody else that's going to make you have a nice longevity except you. And, and you're right about it. And now I've had several doctors on the show which try to emphasize the fact about the earlier you diagnose a particular issue, the better the outcome and the possibly the cure. If you wait later on, it may be more difficult or impossible. I mean, uh, we were, I was talking to a, a physician, a, a retinal specialist, and he was saying the earlier you detect any kind of retina issues, you, you can probably... Uh, rest assured it can be corrected. Now the new technology, the, the sooner you, you you deal with those, you find those things. So it's you know it's you, you need to be proactive, and, and with your loved ones as well. If they're having certain issues and uh, they need to go see a physician, uh, a lot of people say, "Well, I don't, I don't want to waste my time and effort to go and see a doctor or an expert or a professional." And that is it's 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 sad. And I love that you brought up the retina example because I'm going to use myself as what not to do. (laughs) So when I was in my 50s, I started to see um, flashes. Mm. And um, then one day I was out for a walk, and it was like a dark sort of curtain um, was coming from the inside of my eye out toward the outside of my eye. And I kept rubbing it and thinking, I think I even said to my husband, I I think there's a little something in my eye, <laughs> and yet I um, didn't take the good advice of being proactive, and instead I thought, I'll just give it some time and see if this thing clears up. Well, I went about my business, and by the afternoon, it that curtain had almost closed entirely, oh, and in fact, my retina had entirely detached, oh. and so I lost my vision entirely. And if I had picked up the phone and called my optometrist and said, 
what I was experiencing, we would have come right in and um, been able to address it. Instead, instead, I had a really big surgery called a vitrectomy, and then um, after four months of not being able to see out of it, um, it my vision has mostly come back, except for some blind spots. So that wow. is a don't do what I did. <laughs> Good. Wow, that's that's a great a great story there to tell people to to, to get that done. But I, I've been amazed though. My ophthalmologist uh, when he uh, I had this very similar scenario that my my uh, contacts were getting foggier and foggier. And while we were out of town in Mexico, and I said, Tina, I keep cleaning these. I had hard contacts. I keep cleaning these, and they still look like they're a little foggy and dirty. So I got back home and. And uh, my ophthalmologist said, uh, I saw him like a week before uh, I came back. He put me in there real quick. He says, Gary, we got good news and bad news. I said, what's the good news? Well, the good news is you're not going to have to wear contacts. Really? What's going to happen? He says, you have early cataracts. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> and so I, I did I did the cataract procedure and had the limb implants. And now I'm seeing, you know, I've had it done like 10 years ago and then uh, when I was in the early 50s. And... Uh, it was remarkable. So he gave me the good news. I know, news and, and I have idea. those too. Yeah. I have the when you have the surgery that I had, then a lot of times it causes cataracts, which it did. And so I then had the implants, like you, and it's been terrific. Oh, it, it has <laughs> been terrific. So again, we have need to be be to be proactive in that way. But telemedicine right. telemedicine is is transforming the healthcare for seniors. I I agree with your statement on that, and and hopefully. Uh, this pandemic will go away soon. Uh, it, you know, people are adapting by it more and more. I mean, I, yes. uh, I'm, I'm sure throughout the nation, I mean, your, your state's been hit quite a bit like mine as well. Uh, but, you know, people are extremely scared. Uh, and tell them just take precautions. I mean, it's, it's, uh, we, what can we, what can we do to be more proactive and taking precautions? But I think, you know, sometimes others are not as Cautious, so you have to be be careful who you're around and avoid those groups. I mean, I I had to cancel all my senior events. I've, I've always done quite a number of them with six or seven thousand people in there. It was sad. People wanted yes. me to people wanted me to host. I said, nope, we're not going to host it. We're going to wait till hopefully next year everything will be all right and we'll we'll do all of them beginning in 2021, mid mid 2021. We hope. So I'm, that I'm is fine. smart. That's smart. And in the meantime, we can be addressing what I think of as a a twin pandemic, um, and that is this loneliness and isolation. And so those who are chronically lonely um, have a 30% increase in cardiovascular disease and stroke and almost a 60% increase in cognitive impairment or dementia. Mm. So it is just so critical for all of your listeners to think, how can I connect with other people in a safe way and so if you can be outside with masks on that's lovely and great if you cannot then you can you know go go toward technology solutions that are designed particularly for older adults and that for example video calls are a great way yes to, you know, have a grandchild come on, and when we're hard of hearing, you can read lips. And on the grandpad, you just press one button, you're in a video call, but then also, some people it's not quite enough. So I have a friend in Iowa 
who, when we're talking, my, reading my lip helps a lot, but she still <laughs> sometimes gets words confused, understandably. And so I can then, it's called real-time texting. So right on through the GrandPad app, I can type the words as I'm saying any of the words, and they come right up on her video screen on her tablet. So there are solutions out there, and if any of you are thinking, oh, I'm not a person who needs connection, that's as silly as saying I'm not a person who needs food or I'm not a person who needs sleep. We all need connection, albeit in different formats. And so you can think about how to proactively not wait for people to call you. It's for you to call and connect with people that mean something to you. And then I also, we talk about our portfolios, but you think about your social portfolio and diversifying your social portfolio. And that means having people of different ages so that when we lose some of our friends as we get older, we still have people in our network. That's right. Well, thank you for joining us today. Give us your website so people can learn more about the GrandPag. I'd love to. So a great way to find out about it is to go to grandpad.net, and that will give you some information. And then I also have some information about aging um, at Dr. Kerry, K-E-R-R-Y, Burnight, B-U-R-N-I-G-H-T dot com. Okay. Well, thank you a lot. Thank you for appearing on our show today. You gave us some great information, a lot of good poofs out there that I've learned a lot. <laughs> so I appreciate well, you. Well, thank you for your program. It is smart and needed. Well, I thank you a lot. Best wishes to you and best of luck and continued service. Just keep in touch. Thank, thank you a lot. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone, for listening to our show today. I hope that you'll join us next Saturday for another interesting show to benefit you and your loved ones. Learn more about our magazine, our radio show, and events, and visit our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Thank you again for listening to our show today. I'm Gary Caligas, wishing you and yours the best of times, both today and every day. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 9 a.m. for more Best of Times. This is 1017 FM and 710 Keel.